I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. This episode is brought to you by the brand new ebook, Diffusing for Beginners. I created this ebook because there's so much confusion around aromatherapy and diffusing, and so much discussion and so much debating about what is safe. This ebook breaks down the mechanism of smell, the real dangers in your home from synthetic scents, and explains how aromatherapy can actually transform your home and space into a clean and natural haven. Discover the safety considerations around certain conditions like epilepsy, asthma, children, how to diffuse around pets, and more. Experiment with 48 different all-season diffuser blends. Diffusing for Beginners is available now on Kindle. Hello, welcome back to the show. Let's talk a little bit about how essential oils behave in the brain. One of the most well-known impacts of essential oils on the body is the emotional impact. And this is a phenomenon that occurs because of our sense of smell and the process of smell or olfaction. But there are actually a few things that happen when we inhale an essential oil that involve the whole brain. And so it's not just about that emotional response. The two major pieces are olfactory signaling and absorption. So olfactory signaling is this primitive response in the body that's connected to ancient parts of our brain. And it involves first detecting an odor and then the emotional response that follows. And when we inhale an odor molecule, it lands on the tiny hairs in the nose called cilia. And those cilia vibrate and create an electrical signal which travels to a receptor cell. These receptor cells are capable of detecting thousands of different odors. And those receptor cells send the information to the olfactory bulb, which has receptors that are part of the brain and further sends messages to certain parts of the brain. And here they influence memories and and emotions and a variety of things. So essentially the odor is detected and the brain is signaled from the smell. And the process is fast and it's partly a survival mechanism, but also tied to homeostasis. So we use smell in this process to identify threats. As basic as things like identifying sour milk or rotten food or garbage, for example, on sanitary conditions, we all know what happens when we smell those odors. Our bodies physiologically reject it, sometimes making us vomit or gag. These are parts of our sense of taste as well, because part of taste is actually smell and maybe partly an emotional response to that smell. But it exists to teach our bodies not to ingest something or on the other hand, to seek out food. So as our metabolic energy reserves decrease and hunger develops, then food smells specifically also become more appetizing, which promotes food seeking and consumption. So it teaches us to go find something to eat. So this is that reason why when you're hungry, food smells especially so good. And that is part of the governing of homeostasis in the body which is the process of bringing the body back into its natural balanced rhythm so that you're always feeling full and healthy and your you know, internal state is balanced. Smell also signals us on things like reproduction. We know that some people smell so gross and we don't want to date them or have sex with them and we're just simply not attracted to them. Science 
really isn't sure if it's because we attach emotional response to smell. So we might have smelled something that they now remind us of that represents a bad experience for us, or if it's a biological response. And there's a lot of myth and hype and marketing around this idea for things like colognes and perfumes and you know, a lot of talk about pheromones and a bunch of stuff. We don't really know much about how it works. And some of those ideas might be junk ideas, but we do know that we have this response. Some of the things I mentioned just a little bit earlier may also classify as those emotional response and a physiological response. But let's talk about this emotional thing. Let's dive into it a little bit more. So some people often have a hard time understanding how it's possible to have emotional healing or to do emotional healing or to use aromatherapy for emotional healing or to have emotional impact with aromatherapy. But there is a clear emotional reaction or shift or response that happens in the limbic brain in response to smell. And we have those age-old examples of smelling fresh bread Baking, that reminds us of grandma's house and the happy and safe times we had there, which elicits that, you know, warm, fuzzy feeling within us. But we also know that people who live with PTSD can also be affected by smell. And we're talking real, actual PTSD from trauma here. I think that this is a term that's become kind of overused or misused and people not fully understanding the breadth of this disorder. And I'm talking really about legitimate PTSD. Anyway, I digress. Smell, however, and olfaction is a known trigger for flashbacks. What we know is that smell serves as a cue for memory formation. So we often attach a memory to a smell. And it is a cue for emotional conditioning. So if we have a certain emotion around that memory, around that experience that's attached to that smell, then when we smell it, it's a cue for an emotional conditioning, an emotional response. So we don't actually fully understand this whole thing and why smell really evokes this emotional response exactly. But we do know that it is closely linked to the emotional or limbic brain. So this part of the brain actually does a lot of things. It's not just one piece of the brain. There's different parts of the brain. And, and it involves the hippocampus, which is a piece of the brain that is responsible for forming short and long-term memories. The amygdala, which is responsible for emotions like anger, sadness, fear. It also stores memories. So the hippocampus forms them, the amygdala stores them, and the amygdala is also involved in sexual activity and libido. The hypothalamus controls homeostasis, so that natural balance, internal balance of the body. It also controls sleep patterns. It is responsible for releasing hormones and regulating emotional response. And the thalamus is also part of this this section of the brain, this piece of the brain, which sends sensory information to the cerebral cortex. So this part of the brain is responsible for emotions, but also looks after many other different types of mechanisms and functions in the body. So It's very interesting and important that smell is closely linked to this part of the brain. Okay, so the second piece of essential oils in the brain is absorption. So we have olfactory signaling, which is odor detection and emotional response. 
Absorption is the effect that essential oils have on neurons and the effect on neurochemicals. So the essential oils are made of small molecules. And as those molecules are inhaled through the nose, they're able to pass through the blood-brain barrier, the so-called blood-brain barrier, and absorb into the brain. This is really important information. And and potentially, as we know, scientists use plants to synthesize a drug. When they understand a certain constituent and how it behaves in a certain way, they can actually go then and create a treatment. So they'll take that and synthesize it into a drug that can have even greater implications. So a great example of that is aspirin, acetyl salicylic acid. In the early 1800s, mid-1800s, salicin was isolated from the bark of the willow tree. And then it was sort of synthesized and played with a little bit and they discovered salicylic acid and then played with it some more and synthesized acetyl salicylic acid. So this is the discovery of aspirin. And this same process has been used for things like important drugs like malaria drugs that are synthesized from different plants. And so this is important information simply because not all drugs are able to cross that blood-brain barrier. So we're really interested in understanding how these compounds are small enough to fit into the brain and have impact in the brain. So things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, for example. But it's also important for things like cognition, alertness, memory focus, concentration, learning, and mood. So we don't fully obviously understand how these work in the brain. Um, It's very difficult to get funding for research in aromatherapy. And so we haven't had a whole lot of human research, especially. Most of the research that we have, there's some on humans, but most of it is animal models. And there's just so many things to consider when you're talking about action in the brain. So does it, does the essential oil block synthesis of a naturally occurring chemical? Does it block movement down an axon? Or does it block release into the synapsis or block attachment to a receptor? So when we even look at drugs that are used for the brain, we don't even fully understand exactly which mechanism is at play all the time. So we can't even begin to assume that we know how essential oils work, especially given we don't have a ton of research and it's very difficult to get research funded and performed on aromatherapy. But we do know some things. We know that some constituents affect enzymes. So things like fenchone and carvacrol inhibit acetylcholinesterase, which is an enzyme that catalyzes the breakdown of acetylcholine in the brain. Okay, so what does this mean? So drugs that inhibit acetylcholinesterase and a butylcholinesterase, which is another enzyme, are used to treat Alzheimer's disease and dementia associated with Alzheimer's disease. So in Alzheimer's disease, it seems that the balance or ratio between those enzymes is important and that that balance changes in different stages of the disease. So it appears that if we inhibit those enzymes, when there might be a beneficial effect to the disease and the symptoms of the disease. We've been talking about essential oils' ability to inhibit these enzymes since at least the 90s, but there has been some preliminary research actually published on this effect on Alzheimer's disease, and I think that was in 2015. And there's a research article down in the show notes if you want to check it out, but it basically says that certain essential oils 
had a dose-dependent effect on those enzymes. We also know other things as well. We know that essential oils can stimulate the release of dopamine and serotonin, which are well-known chemicals involved in regulating mood. And we know that essential oils can reduce anxiety and depression. And we also know that essential oils can reduce cortisol levels and improve sleep patterns. We also know that some constituents and essential oils also influence the GABA system, GABA receptors, GABA enzymes, also acetylcholine receptors and NMDA receptors as well. Generally speaking, disruption in those systems leads to disruption in electrical signaling, which can lead to seizures. So the reason why this might happen can be caused by things like damage to the brain or head injury, for example. And when we look at certain essential oils, however, they can negatively affect those systems, which can cause seizures, oils like hyssop, sage, and, and others, for example. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But also, other oils can actually positively affect that system and reduce seizures. So, The process of how essential oils work in the brain is obviously, and especially through inhalation, is obviously complex. We don't fully understand it. We don't have enough research and it's very difficult to get research. We do know, however, that oil molecules are small enough to cross the blood-brain barrier and enter the brain. We also know that they do interact with enzymes, receptors, they stimulate the brain to reach release brain chemicals and interact with the central nervous system and specific parts of the brain. So this may have great benefits for people who live with neurological conditions and in managing those symptoms. So does it mean it's a treatment? No, we're not there yet. But it could be a complementary therapy within those conditions to improve symptoms and maybe quality of life. So what are some of the precautions then that we need to discuss? So let's go back to epilepsy. The natural question that follows this discussion is, if inhaling an essential oil affects the brain, then can inhaling one of those epilepsy risk oils, like hyssop or sage, for example, or others, can that cause a seizure if you just inhale it? The answer is it can, of course. Nothing is impossible. But it actually is rare. The seizure inducement generally comes from ingestion. The oils do not statically cause a seizure, meaning a seizure does not occur in every person who uses those essential oils. So hyssop will not cause a seizure in every single person who uses it. So maybe what's more important here is that if a person is taking anti-seizure medications, then certain oils may interact with those medications causing them to be less effective and influence the system, which then can lead to a seizure. It's possible that smelling it can interact with the medication, although probably low that it would happen with simply smelling it. Again, if it's going to interact with the medication, it's probably going to be if you're ingesting it or you're applying large amounts. In most reports, those seizures occur as a result of ingestion. Smell can also be a seizure trigger for some people. So if you are one of those people, then use extra caution. Generally, if you have epilepsy, you're going to make sure to avoid those risk oils anyway and focus on the ones that actually have a positive effect. 
So for anyone who's concerned about this or you are a person who has epilepsy and you're on epilepsy medication, I do have a safety guide for you that outlines those essential oils to avoid. You can find that in the link in the show notes. So other precautions. Headaches are also possible. Often headaches occur when you're inhaling essential oil with poor quality essential oils. If you're using fragrance oils or body shop oils or, you know, oils that come from chemical companies, this is not an essential oil. It's a perfume and it's really no better than one of those tree air fresheners in the car or one of those plugins you put in the car. It's going to give you a headache and you are literally inhaling fumes into your brain. Not a good idea. I cannot stress quality to you enough here. However, Authentic essential oils are also not exempt from headaches. You're inhaling something into your, into your body. So new aromas or strong, intense diffusion in a closed space with a strong aroma, something has a very fresh, intense smell, like something like eucalyptus, for example, may give you a headache. There are times when I, we actually do use deep inhalation of authentic oils and it can be effective. And those are times like inhaling peppermint during a mood disorder or lavender during high stress like in a panic situation for example or eucalyptus for alertness I usually do this with a diffuser but I also do it from my palms and or a blending bowl so there are times when that is effective but sometimes doing that at all or even for too long does have a negative effect, does have that, produce that headache. And so you need to pay attention to that and pay attention to how you're feeling. And then just when you've hit your limit, turn it off. You don't need to do more than that. Another thing that can happen is a strong emotional release. This is possible because you are stimulating those brain centers. And so emotional response to smell is very personal and flexible. And some people do not have strong reactions. Sometimes nothing major occurs at all. But then sometimes people will burst into tears or have a very strong, real moment, emotional moment. And sometimes you don't understand why that's happening or what actually is happening. So in those moments, I I want to encourage you not to avoid it and not to turn it off or, or run away from it, but just to follow it wherever it goes. Sometimes we've just been holding in emotional pain and we really just need to let some things go and release some emotions and move it out of our body and release some sadness and that just move the emotion in order to heal. So I encourage you to just, if you can handle it and if you need to be in a safe space with a professional to do that, then that's recommended as well. But just to to stay in the moment and allow your body to heal, allow your mind to heal. Sometimes people have negative emotional responses as well, meaning not that you would cry, but perhaps that certain smell is connected to something unpleasant from the past. And that brings up a negative bodily experience, perhaps. And maybe a trigger, for example. And so in those cases, I would suggest avoiding those smells and do some emotional work in an appropriate manner and maybe with a professional until you can heal some of that and work through that. And you might, who knows, you might not be able to smell that smell without having a response. You may be able to work through that enough that you might be able to down the road. But in the meantime, just avoid it. And, you know, we don't need to add to our distress 
and just learn lean towards some more soothing aromas that give you comfort and relaxation instead. And sometimes people also experience calmness. So especially if they've been anxious or agitated, this works really well with aggressive behavior in children and adults or neuroatypical individuals and PTSD sufferers. And actually in some of my work, I've worked with some individuals with PTSD who who actually didn't find a whole lot of um, change or positive effects through applying essential oils to the body. And they just really found it was very frustrating. But simply diffusing the essential oils instead in the space they were in, that process of inhaling that essential oil and smelling it took away what they described as skin crawling and edginess that they had constantly that just made everything so much worse and their triggers so much worse. So there is potential here for great benefit. Again, are they treatments? I mean, PTSD is a, it's a disorder. It's a mental health condition. Is, is an aromatherapy product a treatment for that? Again, no, we're not there. And these are not labeled in that way in this country and in North America. But they can be complementary therapies and assists with other programs that can help manage symptoms and along with whatever else you're doing with your professional that can be a complementary therapy with a beneficial outcome for you. So really the effect of essential oils on the brain is pretty complex. But I believe there's a lot of potential here in aromatherapy for therapy settings and for people suffering with mental health disorders, neurological diseases, using this as a complementary program. And one of my dreams is really to see gentle aromatherapy being used as assists in place like schools and daycare settings and therapy settings and long-term care homes and even prisons and psych hospitals. If we could relieve some anguish by simply smelling an authentic plant oil that has very little to no negative side effects, what positive impact could come from that? All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.